Home Beautiful Podcast. We speak about the light, hold back truths to spare your feelings. We never rock the boat. No unfiltered opinions here. Ah, no. You're listening to Unfiltered. Unfiltered. If it's politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, and everything in between, we shoot you straight through the eyes with the truth. Streaming to six continents from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and West Hollywood, California. Sponsored by the Stutzman Group. We're real. We're raw. We are unfiltered. This is Bobby and Luke. Happy Saturday, everybody. It is March 3rd, and Luke, holy shit, what a busy week it's been. Holy shit, what a week it's been indeed. Uh, Busy for us both personally and professionally, and busy on the world and domestic stage as well. Uh, Lots lots to talk about this week, lots to talk about this week, but right before we came on air, I mentioned to you how excited I am. Now, we do have a lot of not-so-happy news to talk about, but big happy news from Pfizer. COVID vaccine 100% effective in children 12 to 15. Let's get these kids vaccinated and let's get these open. I've got a 13 year old who's been really on edge about, hey, what about us? You Uh know, uh I've got scheduled for mine. Amber's already had hers. You know, we're working on getting Elena scheduled, who's actually 16. Yeah, and now it looks like we we've got the data everybody's been work, uh, you know waiting for for the under sixteen year olds, and it's even more right. effective yep. than what we were hoping for. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know not only is this great news, Colorado, as you mentioned, is already open to the sixteen and overs. So hopefully Elena will get uh, vaccinated soon. And Newsom has announced that within the next two weeks, all Californians sixteen and over will be uh, able to get the vaccine. So we're we're thrilled. Josh Josh finally got his second vaccine, so he's on his two week countdown uh, to go a traveling because the CDC also came out this week saying right. that those vaccinated fully and after two weeks can travel so we booked his ticket he's going down to see his grandma finally like we've mentioned on air before we missed that trip over christmas obviously right thing to do Uh, i can't make this one with him because we're as as mentioned work is just blowing up right now Uh, but we are thrilled thrilled for him to get get to get on down to sweet home alabama for for a week or so to to visit family so we're super excited for that also on the pod today luke uh i have to say you you know luke sends 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 me a list of discussion topics and most of the time we get through all of them sometimes we don't but the list this week there's just so much good shit that we're going to talk about including the blue wall of silence has cracked that is a fact this Mm -hmm. gets more gross by the moment 
you can't thoughts and prayers this shit away. And I completely agree with that 110%. Pass racist laws equals lose big pro sporting events. And that was a big announcement by the Major League Baseball. We'll get into that. And attention, Greg Lamberty, we're coming. Is the plan in motion? And we'll discuss That's right. Who That's Greg right. is and why it fucking matters. That's but right. For the music this week, I have chosen. Let me move here if I can get to it now. Uh, uh, new Music Friday. Sometimes it's good stuff. Sometimes not so much. But uh, number two on the New Music Friday list on Spotify features Demi Lovato. New song, right. Met Him Last Night, featuring Ariana Grande. Late at night, I'm sipping as you pass me by. Red or white, you pour another sag, it's fine. I don't believe in you, but I don't believe cause I know just Devil, yeah, I met him last night Had conversation, yeah, I think he's alright Seem kinda funny, yeah, he kinda my type Yeah, yeah, yeah I seen the devil, yeah, I met him last night What conversation, no, I spent the night I think I love him, though I know it ain't right You got me fucked up, I won't let this happen again Luke, that song's pretty fire. Have you, have you heard that yet? No, I hadn't heard that heard that yet. And I love that you selected Demi Lovato. I love that she has been so open in sharing about her struggles that she has gone through. She is a, uh, a really quality uh, uh, role model for, for those that are struggling with, with addiction and eating disorders and whatnot. And... Uh, I am just thrilled that she is uh, back out making fire music again. And that track yes. is a great example of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So pre pre music break, uh, let's, let's, let's dive into the blue wall of silence has officially cracked. Yeah. So, you know, the, the most difficult part, the most difficult part about uh you know, obviously we're talking about the uh, Derek Chauvin uh, trial here and yes. let's all just make sure that we are using the right terminology here. This is not the George Floyd trial. George Floyd was murdered and has passed away. This is the Derek Chauvin trial. OK, it wasn't the the Nicole Brown Simpson trial. It was the O.J. Simpson trial. Right. Correct. So this is the Derek Chauvin trial. All right. That said. Uh, the most difficult part about bringing charges against police officers in this kind of a case has forever been what's known as the blue wall of silence, meaning that as a police officer, no matter how outrageous or egregious uh, your fellow police officers behavior may have been, you do not uh, you do not testify against them. You just don't. You just stay silent. 
And if you, you can't say anything positive, you just don't say anything at all. Well, thank God, and I truly mean that, thank God there are better men on uh, the Minneapolis Police Department. Because over the past two days, we have seen not one, not two, not three, but four, four different police officers come forward and testify that what Derek Chauvin did, his actions that day were in no way, shape, or form in line with what the, the department teaches and what is considered acceptable behavior in such a moment up to and including yesterday's damning testimony from the most senior, the most senior Minneapolis officer. Uh, he is the head of the homicide division. He was actually called to, to the scene that day. Right. Uh, and he testified that uh, what Derek Chauvin was using would be considered a top tier use of force. That means in, it, it, when a police officer uses a top tier use of force, that means that he feels like his life is in imminent danger. We've all seen the video. Obviously, right. Derek Chauvin's life was not in imminent danger, but he used that top tier of force anyway, and that led to the death of George Floyd. All over what was construed as a potential counterfeit $20 bill. Yeah. That just, it just yeah. baffles me. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, we've seen, right. There's video available from just about every angle. The, the prosecution introduced new video body cam footage from all four officers Mm -hmm. There's been additional mm -hmm. smartphone footage made available for this trial. And at no point at any given time was any of the officers' lives put in imminent danger. No, not at all. And they've, they've tried to argue that they were in fear of the crowd, um, which is utter bullshit and uh, right. and the prosecution has done a wonderful job of picking that apart by by introducing several of the people who are in the crowd as witnesses right um but they were certainly not in any imminent danger uh once a once a suspect uh mr floyd in this uh, case is in what's known as the prone position meaning they are face down on the ground hands cuffed behind them they are no longer considered an imminent threat. And therefore, your, your uh, level of force is supposed to change accordingly. Uh, they, at least Officer Chauvin, or former officer Derek Chauvin, um, he didn't change. He didn't change his force. I mean, there, there, there has been testimony now of of people who are watching the uh, the CCTV video live that day. And they thought that the video had gotten, like there was a glitch and that the video had gotten like paused or something because they just did not believe that somebody had kept his knee on a man's right. neck for that long. Right, right. Uh, it's just, it, it's been, you know, I have, I have, uh, 
you know, as I've mentioned on the pod, I, I'm lucky enough to be one of the guys that works from home right now. I've got a little TV in my in my little office here, and I've had the the case going on in the background pretty much from from word go. Um, and you know, the testimony, especially of the the young woman, the the EMT, the uh, Minneapolis Fire Department EMT that was on site. She was off duty. You know, she was clearly in her workout gear that day, her off duty gear, ladies, you know what that looks like yoga pants and the like, uh, but <laughs> she, I, <laughs> she identified herself as uh, a Minneapolis uh, fire department EMT. And one of the officers said to her, she testified that, well, if you're really with the Minneapolis fire department, you know, to just, you know, keep your nose out of this, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and, and she went on to say that she kept, you know, asking, you know, are, are, is his pulse being checked, you know, are his vitals being checked, any of these things happening, um, you know, and then, and then the officer, uh, Lieutenant Richard Zimmerman, supervisor of the uh, homicide unit there in Minneapolis testified yesterday that once you have a suspect in cuffs, it is your responsibility, his life, his, his ability to breathe and stay alive becomes your responsibility. Right. It is your responsibility to keep this person alive because in the United States, we take people in and they face our legal justice system, right? Mm -hmm. So it, in fact, becomes your duty as an officer to make sure that that person stays alive so he can have his date in court. That right. obviously did not happen here. Well, what I thought was pretty phenomenal was the defense was going into this case. Yeah, there was going to be you know, they, they had a few points, but the biggest, their biggest point was that George Floyd died from his opioid addiction from a drug overdose. Mm -hmm. And his girlfriend this week blew their whole defense out of the water talking mm -hmm. about it, right? The defense, mm -hmm. Derek Chauvin's defense was not anticipating the prosecution putting her on the stand and talking about their addiction to painkillers right. so it completely right. blew up their their defense now what they're going to obviously the 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 uh prosecution has not rested uh yet but mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see now how chauvin's defense team sticks with that narrative because yeah. it it it's not going to play well with the jury at all right right and we do have to yes as 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 you just mentioned we do have to remember that you know this is the prosecution phase of the trial so it should be looking positive for the prosecution right now and the defense will then go next and have their opportunity to refute everything that the prosecution has laid out but like you just mentioned Right. Their whole shtick is that he was so 
messed up on this drug or that drug or yeah. whatnot, that that's what actually killed him. It, it didn't have anything to do with having the full weight of another man on his neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. Was that correct? Um, right. And yes, I, I had, so, I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, how many folks, I, the testimony of the girlfriend was, mm -hmm just some of the most gut-wrenching stuff that yes. I, I think I've ever watched in my life. And mm -hmm. she was so open and so honest about their struggles with addiction, like millions of Americans struggle every day with. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, it, it, and him speak in her, her speaking about his relationship with his daughters and whatnot, it was just, it painted a picture of a man that yes, had, yes, yes, had problems. He was flawed, but he did not deserve to die. And he certainly right. did not deserve to die in this fashion. And the last time, you know, yeah, like you said, Bobby, it all started over a alleged counterfeit $20 bill, right? Whether that, whether that bill was counterfeit or not makes no difference here. Because in the United States of America, we don't kill somebody for passing a counterfeit bill. Right. Quite to the contrary, we have very, very wealthy people who, uh, you know, get away with white collar crime every fucking single day of the year. Sure. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Like, yep. let's, let's, not, let's not take your eyes off what is truly the, the fact here, which I, I think was further exemplified in some of that additional body camera, uh, body camera footage that we've been able to see was that even when they were trying to get Mr. Floyd into the back of the, the cruiser and whatnot, he was just saying like, come on, like, don't do me like this. Like I, you know, I, like basically he was trying to explain almost that like, even if I had done what I did, like, what, why are you arresting me? Why are you doing this to me? You know, you don't like, it, it's just, it was just brutality. It was just brutality. And Derek Chauvin, as a 19-year veteran of the force, knew better. But sadly, as a 19-year member of the force, what he probably also knew was that he could get away with it. And right. that's, that's why we talk about needing reform in the criminal justice system, why we need reform in our police departments. I know everybody's got their head like twisted sideways about the term defund the police. Nobody is talking about actually taking money away from the police department. It's about the reallocation of that money so that in an instance like this, maybe a social worker shows up with a couple of police officers or a police officer and first that there's a conversation with the person it's just not an automatic we're going to take him down to the ground and arrest him situation we're going to we're going to talk to him first and yeah. obviously because I, I can hear it now people are like oh yeah somebody's having a mental break and you're just going to talk to him no obviously there's common sense at play here you you've <laughs> got to you've got to make determinations along the way it's not like, oh God, people like just want to go from one extreme to the other. There's so many shades of gray in the middle that we don't discuss. It's either they're doing absolutely nothing wrong and you just say, go on about your way or they're a dirty criminal that's got to be thrown to the ground and taken in, uh, taken into to custody.
Like there's just so many situations that play in the middle, that play in the middle, you know, you know, living in New York City for so many years. So living in in apartment buildings where you pretty much hear everything that's going on around you, you know, how many like arguments and whatnot? Hell, Josh and I have probably had arguments that that our neighbors (laughs) are like, oh, I hope everything's okay," You know, right. Like like what? Like, really, you're going to call the police and like have like a bunch of like four or five, you know, like armed guys show up like guns out, like ready to get. No, no, there's shades. There's shades to everything. And that's what this whole, you know, defund the police, reestablish how you fund the police. That's what this whole thing is about. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Now the trial will play out obviously this week and probably for, you know, for a few weeks yet to come. But I do want to change- yeah, I'll oh, do no, you I was change? just going to go ahead. Oh, I just real quick wanted to say one last thing. I am actually really surprised that the the jury is not sequestered. The the jury got to go home uh, for the long Easter weekend this weekend. And right. I, I just hope that that does not lead to any issues down the road. Right. That's right. it. OK, I know it. I know it. Carrying on. <laughs> But changing kind of gears a little bit, uh, this has been comical, confusing, comical again, confusing. Uh, Matt Gates. Oh my gosh, Matt so, Gates. So there's kind of two two things going on here. Uh-huh. He he's personally being investigated, right, by the FBI and other entities of the government for uh-huh. basically sex trafficking yeah and on on the other side his his dad supposedly has been an fbi informant about some group or militia trying to get money from the gates family Uh uh-huh on that Uh side so it's been it's been comical to see that a piece of shit like matt gates is involved in this but yet mm-hmm. confusing on exactly what's going on behind the scenes, kind of on both fronts, the investigation as well as the the money being sought from the Gates family. Yeah. Now, <laughs> let me let me um, let me qualify this as I qualify every story that we discuss when it comes to accusations. I believe in uh, investigations and, you know, people are innocent until proven guilty and, you know, the, the justice department or whoever the investigating body is need to complete their case, make their case. And then we'll make, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll make our judgment. Therefore Mm -hmm. the problem with this one, (laughs) my personal feelings of Matt Gates aside, Right. Uh, is I I keep going back to and and more craziness has come out in in the two days since. But he went on Tucker Carlson. Right. Uh, uh, A talk show where he Tucker who Tucker Tucker who little little fucker Carlson. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, Now now I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh you know, a friendly interview, right? Friendly interview. He's not going to get any tough questions here. This is an opportunity for him to just go on national TV and make his case. 
And he spun the most insane conspiracy theory riddled nonsense that even Tucker himself was like, what? And then to add insult to injury and hey, insult Tucker, fucker Carlson, all you want. He says, yeah, Tucker, remember, we all went to dinner together. You were there. And Tucker Carlson is like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Boom. <laughs> and allegedly, I mean, Tucker already, after the commercial break, said, well, that was the weirdest interview I've ever done. But apparently during the commercial break, Tucker Carlson was apocalyptic about, like, how dare this motherfucker try to pull me in to right. this skeevy fucking situation? Like, I have no idea. Like, he just was losing his shit off camera apparently <laughs> so it's like matt gates like you're not even like using the allies that you have you know right. like it, it's right it, it's just the most bonkers bonkers situation that 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 one could ever possibly i i, I don't know and then you got to think about a, a couple weeks back there was a story that was floated about how he was going to leave congress in order to uh, pursue a career in media at newsmax was that a preemptive like he knew the writing was on the wall well, then the the rest of the news started coming out about how right. his colleagues in Congress yes. have now said on the record that they've been waiting for a story like this to come out. Yep. Why? Why? Have you heard this? And this is when it gets real gross. He has a propensity for on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives, this fucker like to show off pictures of naked young women and brag about his access to them and his ability to have sex with them. Uh, basically, hey, Luke, on we're not demand. talking about a 23 year old college graduate. Oh, no, we're talking about a 15, 14, mm -hmm, 16 mm -hmm, year old mm -hmm, high schooler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yep, yep, yep. And and this apparently has gone on since he arrived in Congress. And there's the other uh the the the, the uh tax uh official down in Florida, Green Greenberg, that's also right. been implicated in yep. underage sex trafficking that he's now been linked to. And apparently, again, colleagues in Congress have said, well, yeah. Matt, you know, talk about his talked about his relationship with this guy all the time. Right. Right. So they yesterday shared a Rolodex. They've got yeah. saved links and sources. And uh, yes. Yeah. And so then yesterday I'm I'm watching, uh, I think, uh, the readout Joy Reid, and she has a a, a young woman who is, on, you know, in the Florida. Uh, she's a Florida state representative. And she plays a a voicemail of Matt Gates and this Greenberg guy calling her, basically saying that they appreciate her assets and would very much so like to meet her in person. <laughs> it's the most creepy fucking frat boy bullshit nonsense that you have right. ever heard in your life. And this guy's a congressman. Right. Like, oh,
Yeah. It is just like I said, like I, you want to fucking take a hot shower and scrub yourself down with a Brillo pad. Just reading this story, it is so nasty because you have to keep in the back of your mind what you just said. We're talking about teenage girls here. Yes. Oh, yes. With, with a 40 and 50 year old men. Correct. Correct. You know? Yeah. I mean, yep. I just, I, so it looks like this accusation from this one woman or one, well, she's a woman now. She was 17 at the time. That might just be the tip of the iceberg. Um, and, and for all of our uh, right-leaning friends, it must be pointed out that this investigation started under Bill Barr. This right. investigation started during the Trump administration. All right. Nope. <laughs> this is not like, Joe Biden or Merrick Garland seeking some kind of political vengeance. Uh, no, no, no. They inherited this case from Bill Barr and his Justice Department. So yeah, and it's been and Bill Barr's on record as as confirming that once this investigation opened up and he personally realized what information was coming forward, he mm -hmm. distanced himself altogether from Matt Gates. Correct. You know, Matt Correct. Gates There's has a... his head so far up Trump, Trump's ass. So it was just natural that him and Bill Barr would come into contact or cross paths or whatever. And as yeah. soon as Bill Barr heard wind of the type of information, and obviously we're just getting bits and pieces right now, that mm -hmm. mm -hmm. even Bill Barr distanced himself from Matt Gates automatically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is proven in his, uh, you know, all of these representatives or uh, all of these, you know, secretaries and whatnot, especially at, at the level of attorney general, you know, all of their, their public calendars are kept on record, right? right. And there's, there's recorded proof of instances where he was scheduled to attend an event and then that event is scratched out and he's no longer going to that event and his representatives are saying that's because he would find out after it was scheduled that matt gates was going to be at said event and he did not want to be anywhere near this guy absolutely <laughs> oh oh, oh. take a shower folks take a shower it's only going to get dirtier it's only going to get dirtier from here <laughs> right right well i'm speaking of dirty speaking of dirty you know, moving on. Uh, yeah. Pass racist laws equals Lou Big Pro sporting events. Now, let's tell our listeners exactly what that means, which state in a, it involves, and which major sports league. Well, uh, I think everybody on uh, everybody, all of our listeners have have heard us discuss the new voter suppression laws, uh, they call them uh, protect the vote laws that have been passed down in Georgia. Uh, mm -hmm. Joe Biden went as far as to call them Jim Crow for the 21st century. Well, Major League Baseball has stepped up in a big way and said, you know what? All right, Georgia, we're going to hit you where it hurts and we're going to take our uh, one of our marquee events, the 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 summer summer classic, the All Star Game, and we are taking it out of Atlanta. This was uh, 
predicated by the major league uh, players league uh, major league baseball players league coming out and making a very strong statement that they did not feel that the game should stay in a state that supports this kind of um, bigoted uh, restriction at the polls and mm-hmm. that many of the marquee players that would uh, no doubt have played in that game uh, plan to boycott the game had it been kept in Atlanta. So major league baseball uh, for, for once tried to get ahead of something here and said, you know what, we're just going to pull out of it. And uh, they're leaving Atlanta. They're leaving, yeah. they're leaving, uh, they're leaving Atlanta. And it, it, it is a shame because a lot of businesses will be hurt by this. A lot of folks that probably uh, hate these laws also will be hurt by this. But what, you know, actions have to be taken, you know, you know, uh, for every action, there is reaction. Right. And Mm -hmm. if the state of Georgia wants to do uh, this type of thing, then they're going there are going to be consequences. So, you know, it, it, it is. It's disappointing that that it's had to come to this, and I know there are certain people on the right that have already said that uh, Joe Biden made a statement. You know, he was asked in an interview if he would support this kind of a move, and he said his statement was actually that he would support whatever the players' union decided to do. Obviously, that's being misconstrued to say that Joe Biden put pressure on Major League Baseball. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Yeah, he, he just yeah, that said, was hey. Trump's bag putting pressure on the like the NCAA and the Big Ten and all that to reopen everything and all that shit. Right. That was not right. this administration, right? Yeah, all 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 Biden said was, "Look, if the if the players' union decides they don't think it should be in Atlanta, then I would support that decision." And that's it. And, you know, the players union decided Major League Baseball actually listened because uh, what's an all star game if the all stars aren't there. <laughs> and and that and that's and that and that's the, the result. But I will say that Stacey Abrams and her Fair Fight Georgia uh, organization has uh, made a very strong comment. Please do not. Please do not boycott. Uh, companies like um, uh, what is it, Coca-Cola or Delta uh, that are headquartered in Georgia, because all that will do is hurt the front frontline employees who right. are surprise, surprise, either you know low income uh, uh, African American, white, Hispanic people. You know that that's who that's going to hurt. So don't don't boycott. You know, you can keep drinking, ladies, you can keep drinking your diet Coke. It's okay. It's fine. Um, but, right. <laughs> sorry. Right. And, and, you know, you Stacey's know. saying this because these brands, the Coke, the Delta, have come out against the passage of they this have. legislation. But did you Correct. hear Marco Rubio's Delta, linking Delta to some genocide shit over in the Middle East? Oh, how lovely. Yeah. Well, yeah. little well, Delta, little Marco. Yeah, he was basically <laughs> saying Delta supports genocide over in the Middle East because of some flight that they added to their schedule or some shit. And 
it didn't make any sense, but he went on a rant about it. And I saw it yesterday afternoon and, oh no, yesterday morning on morning Joe, that's where I saw it. Mm-hmm. So it was very mm-hmm. interesting to see how, because they added an international flight, I think from New York to wherever in the middle East Right. Now Delta right. as a global brand supports genocide. Well, of course they do, Bobby, because <laughs> if you fly into an underserved serviced area, uh, you're supporting genocide. I mean, I don't know the story, but I'm guessing if I if I'm smelling this correctly, it's that it's probably a place in the world that needed service. And yeah. if there's if there is one way to shed light on a bad situation, that is to uh, give people from outside of that area access to that area. Like, I don't right. know, news, news reporters, uh, p- politicians, other uh, service organizations, so they can, you know, have easier access to that area. So right, I, right. again, I don't know. I'm just guessing well, here. Yeah, but... these brands, Luke, from my understanding, aren't just coming out and speaking against it. They're pulling donation dollars from several of those reps and the, yeah. therefore Marco Rubio is speaking out really that, Hey, Delta, if you're not going to give us your money, then all of a sudden now, now you support genocide. And that's yeah. basically where he's coming from. If, if people are just speaking out, it's one thing, but Coca-Cola, for example, is, is, is now pulling millions over these next three months uh, from from various organizations and donations to some of these guys' uh, campaigns. So, as they should, as they should. You know, something I've really as... learned this last year, Luke, is what what brands are providing money to to which organizations, right? Sure. And it, it, and it really baffles me that some of these global brands are heavily invested in the Republican Party for the last four years. And over the last four years, like Coca-Cola has almost doubled their, their donations to the GOP over these last four years, which makes me sick. But yet mm-hmm. makes me proud at the same time that they're actually speaking up, whether they want to or they were actually feeling pressure from whomever. You know, Coke didn't have to do that, but they've done that. They drew the line in the sand and said, hey, we are against this. Whether they are actually against it behind the scenes is, is a whole complete, you know, complete different story. But going out publicly as the number one beverage on the planet uh, speaks volumes to the people that use their products. That's right. That's right. And, right. you know, it, 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 a lot of these companies, a lot of these, especially these very large corporations do play both sides and they, they right. make donations to, to both um, major political parties here in the United States. But um you know, that, that, that's just kind of the way that it's been. HR uh, one does do some work uh, towards trying to bring dark money into the light, but right. we'll say that for another conversation, but at least, you know, even if they're donating to both sides, if Coca-Cola comes forward and says, Hey, you know what, we're not going to make the donations to uh, these folks that are passing this law. Good for them. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Absolutely. And so, 
Next topic, are we, uh, you want to do thoughts and prayers or you want to get right into uh, Mr. Greg Lamberty? Well, what, I, you know what? I, 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 I just have a really quick comment to make about thoughts and prayers. And obviously, when we say thoughts and prayers, everybody now, uh, you know, is thinking about the, you know, mass shootings, which we have had two of, and I will address uh, briefly uh, in my warm and fuzzy. Okay. Uh, but unfortunately, over the past 24 hours, we have had, or excuse me, the last 48 hours, we have had another attack on the cradle of democracy, the U.S. Capitol building. I'm sure everybody has seen the news coverage, so I'm not going to get into detail here. I just wanted to have a moment to say thank you and my all of our deepest, deepest sympathies to the family of Officer William F. Evans, an 18-year veteran of the Capitol Police Department, who was one of the first responders on the scene when the young man plowed his car into the barricade and sadly lost his life in this attack. Uh, it, it, it goes without saying that we are in a, a crazy time right now. And it would appear that the U.S. Capitol building has become a flashpoint for right. uh, extremists of all ilk. Uh, it sounds like this uh, young man perhaps was uh, rep- had leanings towards the Nation of Islam. I, you know, it really does not matter whether they are right supremacists, left supremacists, extremists of any kind. Uh, it just goes to show you that uh, our capital, you know, I, I interned, as I've mentioned before, in D.C. I've worked in that building. I've, I've spent much time, uh, almost a year of my life on that hill. And it is very sad to me to know that the public access to that area has been cut off now. Uh, and I know that there are many on the right, the uh, Marjorie Taylor Greens and Lauren Boberts and such that think that this is, uh, they're trying to call it Nancy Pelosi's fort. Um, no, no, you crazy people. They are trying to keep it safe for you and your staff and everybody else that wants to come to the Capitol. And, you know, Rokana, Congressman Rokana was being interviewed yesterday and he said, you know, the thing I miss the most is, you know, obviously COVID had stopped this all also, but pre-COVID, pre-January 6th, uh, you know, uh, you know, even myself as, as a Capitol Hill intern, one of my greatest joys was when field trips of kids from your home state come uh, usually they're eighth graders and they come and they, you know, you give them a tour of the Capitol and that's, you know, to, that's just awesome because these kids get to come in and see, you know, the seat of power. You know, I got, you know, my, my first time in the Capitol was when I was a uh, sophomore going into junior year and I got to participate in presidential classroom and I got to sit in the speaker's chair on the floor. And it was just all of these really awesome things that made me truly like feel attached to our government. And all of that's shut off right now. 
And it was shut off for COVID. It continues to be shut off partially for COVID, but also now because of the great security risks. And so I would say to the, uh, I don't even want to say their names again. I would say to those on the right that are trying to say that Nancy Pelosi is trying to uh, keep Capitol Hill a fortress, uh, good because it's keeping you safe, it's keeping your right. staff safe, it's keeping the interns, the, the, the 19, 18, 19 year olds of today safe while they try to go about their business on Capitol Hill. So that's it. I just wanted to make a, a quick, quick moment or a quick, quick uh, comment and more importantly, honor uh, Capitol Police Officer William F. Evans, who uh, Nancy Pelosi in a speech on the floor uh, has called a martyr for our democracy. Right, right, absolutely. Now on a positive note, right? Exactly, I was gonna say, now now after that sadness, how how about something happy? Yeah, before we get into your warm and fuzzy, uh, attention Mr. Lamberty and class of 96, right? We're coming. Yep, yep, yep. So I have gotten, and I guess probably because of this platform, uh, more Facebook, uh, messages and questions about the 25 year reunion than I, I mean, prior to this one, you know, for the 10 and for the, for the, for the 20, I, I got my invite and I showed up, but right. Right now people are asking. And so I started asking around and every single person I talked to lands on one name. Greg Lamberty. Lamberty. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, this will be our 25-year anniversary, uh, or excuse me, reunion of graduating right. from high school. And now with, with the COVID restrictions being lifted, with more and more of us being vaccinated, and with Seward, as Jessica announced a couple of pods ago, being ready to have a good old-fashioned Seward, Nebraska, 4th of July again, uh, there are lots of cl- members of the class of 96 that are ready and hoping and wanting to come uh, do something fun as a group for the, <coughs> excuse me, for the 25th year uh, uh, reunion. I've heard talk that maybe James Slate has already even uh, procured a flatbed uh, yes. for the, for the, for the, for, for it. And then as you mentioned, I think a few pods back, we just need uh, uh, James, Jimmy uh, to, uh, you know, concoct his brew uh maybe yes. we'll bring some glasses with us this time so he can yes, pour everybody yes. an individual glass and, and I we're think ready to roll now now seward county owns the golf course i think we'll be yeah. following up with mr eichmeyer and oh yeah securing maybe kind of having a 2.0 from mm-hmm. five years ago because That's from right. my understanding the ag pavilion has been booked for several years and but yep. the uh, city can make an easy decision on providing us the the uh, facility just like we did five years ago so well and that's a twofer especially with the third being a saturday this year let's get out there on the links on saturday morning for the uh 25 uh year reunion uh golf round robin tourney uh there, yes. there was one for the 20th and then followed up by a nice little uh dinner and uh i think kegs were flowing drinks were uh consumed and we had a lovely get together at the absolutely yeah and then (laughs) we had a lovely get together at the uh, country club uh later that afternoon so 
Yeah, and, 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 you know, real quick, we'll go ahead and announce that if this does happen, the uh, subsequent after party at John Burhoop's house will be on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. We'll all uh, descend on right there on the next to the golf course. We'll descend to Mr. Burhoop's house. Right. And uh, at some point during the weekend, uh, we are in the process of putting together plans to uh, record, uh, definitely record, hopefully if the bandwidth is uh, good enough, do a uh, live feed on Facebook and have yes. as many of our classmates from the class of 96 join us on that pod as yeah, well. Yeah, maybe multiple pods, depending on the circumstances and what's going on and everything, but absolutely, That's right. absolutely. That's right. And of course, this all is attached to a the big story out of the CDC this uh, week was that they're finally saying that if you are fully vaccinated after two weeks, you are good to travel. Please still wear a mask when you're in public. Please Absolutely. still wear a mask when you're on the plane, but we are good to go. Um, they're, they're, they are saying for now, limited, limited travel when necessary, but you know, July is a few months away and God willing, uh, we'll, we'll all be descending on Seward, Nebraska with the CDC's blessing. We'll probably be doing it with or without the CDC's blessing. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> right. You know, it's going to feel good. It's going to be good to be vaccinated, number one. But yes, still mask wearing and, you know, following those that guidance. But uh it feels really good, Luke. I mean, looking back a year ago, so last April, we saw the spike, right? The spike, states were out of control, no vaccine, um, you know, in the pipe. States, right. you know, states were running out of PPE and competing against your state was competing, you know, competing against my governor yeah. for PPE for Colorado. Yeah who was competing yeah. against Nebraska and Iowa and Michigan. It was just a shit show. And now mm -hmm. to see where we've come now, 12 months later, where we've got over a hundred million, you know, that, you know, inoculations in hands, I've got mine scheduled, you've got yours already. And now we're looking at, you know, inoculating our, you know, our kids. Yeah. The uh, kids are too. planning from mm -hmm. back, you know, back to school. And, you know, there's been a lot that have tried it. And now there's school districts that are kind of pulling back because they didn't have the right resources. Well, the Biden administration are providing those resources that the school districts can do it right and do it long term. And it's just phenomenal to see where we've come now and just since January. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It's truly remarkable. It is a testament to, uh, you know, scientific ingenuity. And, you know, we just have to to keep keep fighting the fight. Now the fight is vaccine education and encouraging every single person that, you know, currently 16 plus soon to be 12 plus to get the vaccine to yes. keep not just themselves safe. Again, folks, this isn't just about you. This is about everyone around you and not just those people. It's about their grandmothers and grandfathers right. and their kids. It's about right. all of us. 
we get the vaccine because it's what's best for all of us. And Luke, real quick, what I found very interesting, I've been asking and looking for information, the data behind, okay, once you're vaccinated, how long is it good for? Mm -hmm, Pfizer mm -hmm. finally came out this week and said that it's good for six months. Yep. Yep. So I heard as well. Correct. So we're going to have to obviously um, get follow up inoculations, but I mean, just to get that 70, 80% done and then looking at getting the rest or maybe a, a small percentage of the remaining 20, but it's just not one, you know, a, a one-time thing or a two-shot yeah. thing. It's going to be a continuous kind of like the uh, flu vaccine. So Yeah, then that's exactly what I, I, I think. Hopefully that expectation was set and was out there that mm -hmm. it, it, it will very much so be like the flu vaccine. Hopefully we'll get it to the point where maybe it's a booster you get once a year, but it's going to yeah. be a shot that either once or twice a year you will have to continue to get um it's just the nature of the beast because like the flu and like we're already seeing across the world there are all these mutant variants that have to be accounted for and sure. so you know the more variants come out the more they'll tweak the vaccine and the more protection the vaccine will give warm and fuzzy time brother all right let's all get warm and fuzzy because we've had <sighs> I can't believe it's it's April one. We're 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 finally you know through the first three months of 2021, and what a crazy three months of 2021 it has been. Sadly, sadly for a nation, uh, the first three months of 2021 have included some very scary, very tragic incidents, the most recent of which um, was, of course, the, the, the incident at the Capitol this week. But just prior to that, we had another incident right there in your home state, Bobby, of Colorado. Yes. And after the shooting that occurred at a supermarket, if everybody remembers, a, a King Super, an 11-year-old boy made a realization. The morning after the deadly mass shooting at a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado, J.J. Whitmer, an 11-year-old from nearby Brighton, sat on his couch next to his mother watching the news. Usually very talkative, he didn't really say much. He got really quiet and introspective. All he said, all he could say was that it was really scary and really sad, but that he couldn't stop thinking of the fact that the next day in King Supers and other grocery stores and other stores all around him, people had to go back to work. He turned to his mother and he said, mom, we need to do something. After a bit of conversation, the mother-son duo ended up down at a local florist, and when they explained to the local florist what their plan was, they gave a generous discount for them to help spread the kindness. 
What happened over the next few hours is truly remarkable. One by one, JJ and his mom went to every grocery store that they could find in their surrounding community and handed out a flower to each and every employee that was at work today. We just wanted to let you know, JJ said, as he would hand them the flower, thank you for being here today. It must be so hard. They were really thankful. Lots of them were crying and giving them fist bumps and air hugs. Mom said, I think we made the right decision because we made a lot of people feel really good today. You've been listening to Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. Politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, real and raw. Real and raw. Finally, a podcast with real talk and no bullshit. We hope you enjoyed the show, but if we pissed you off, that's okay too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Bobby and Luke. On Instagram at Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. And on LinkedIn at unfiltered-with-bobby-and-luke. How many dashes do we need there, fellas? My God. Anyway, make sure to like, rate, and review. And of course, leave a comment. And check out the website at bobbyandluke.com. This is Unfiltered, signing off.